You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Good morning. My name is Ricky, and let me say welcome again to you guys. Um, I know you've been welcomed a couple of times, but if this is your first time to Grace, I especially want to say welcome and uh, grateful for, of course, the team every week leading us um, Man, in truth, uh, for sure, in song. So I am not typically the guy that's up here speaking. So I want to I make that clear if this is your first time or second time here. Second time, the guy you saw last week, uh, Brad Talley, he's our teaching elder. He's our lead pastor. And he is typically the one uh, teaching every week, but he's in Australia for the next few weeks. Um, he's, going, he's gone to Australia with his wife, who is from Australia, and they're visiting family. So he's going to be back in a few weeks. But if you are here today, which you are, then you're jumping in right in the middle of a series uh, we are going through this summer. And we're actually walking through the book of Colossians. We're walking through verse by verse. And Pastor Brad, he's already spent three weeks in Colossians, and he has walked us through the first chapter. And when he returns July 23rd, we're going to pick up with chapter 3. So the next few weeks, we're going to be going through chapter 2 of Colossians. Um, I'm teaching this morning, and then the next two weeks, David and, and Scott will be, will be teaching uh, through Colossians 2 uh, for you guys. But our text this morning is going to be Colossians chapter 2. You guys see it on the screen, uh, verses 1 through 7. I hope that you guys are really starting to grasp what Paul is teaching us in the book of Colossians. It's amazing. You see, the, you saw a minute ago, the title of, the, of this sermon series is The Supremacy of Christ. And if you've been here for the last three weeks as we've walked through chapter one, you would have seen that Paul is making quite a case for the supremacy of Christ. He is making sure that the Colossians understand, therefore that we understand, man, just how supreme, just how sufficient Christ is. And what you will see is that in chapter one, he is teaching. Man, he is telling us the truth about Christ. And then when we we come to chapter two this morning, he's going to actually make a turn and he's going to go from reaching our minds to reaching our hearts. You see, both are important to the Lord. Uh, We read the word, we're instructed in truth, and then he's going to turn to us and he's going to tell us how to feel the truth. Some of you guys start getting nervous when you think about feeling. Some of you guys, like me, get nervous when you start thinking about thinking. <laughs> Paul, in chapter 1, he's, he's saying some big things. And some of you, it excites you. For some of you, it makes you want to step back a little bit. Personally, I, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily a thinker. Um, I'm, I'm more of a feeler. Some of you guys are, are more of thinkers instead of feelers, but we need both. You see, thinkers help encourage me and stretch me because I'm good to just be comfortable and stay a lot of times. But thinkers ask questions, and then they get me wondering. Some of you guys, you, you might just need to cry more, honestly. You need to feel more. We, we, if we don't learn how to feel, then we might become cynical or just downright boring, honestly. Like, we need both, and Paul knows this. And he has been reaching our minds, teaching to us in chapter 1, and now he's turning and he's saying, okay, I want you now to feel it in your heart. So our text today, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, as is our custom here at Grace Community Church, I want to ask you to stand. And we're going to read our text this morning, standing out of respect for the Word of God. Chapter 2, verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. 
in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I'm absent in the body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted, built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Father, we thank you for your word that you have not remained distant from us, but you have come to us in the person of Jesus. Lord, you have left with us your holy scripture so that we can know you. Not only have you given us the scripture, you have given us yourself through the Holy Spirit that we can know you. Father, help us know you more during this next little bit for our good and ultimately for your glory. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. Whenever we look at verse 1. We're going to have it up on the screen. I just want you to look at verse 1. And I want you to think, do we speak this way? Maybe, maybe to a child that you love, maybe to a wife you, you, you miss, or to a parent um, you care for, you worry about. Do you see the concern in Paul's words here? I want you to know how great a struggle. He is, he is agonizing for these people he is writing to. He loves them. He cares for them. He's concerned for them. And you guys know what the crazy thing is about this? Paul has never even met the people he's writing to. Whenever you read this, you think, man, they must go way back, have quite a relationship. Now, Paul's met a couple of people in the church that have come to Ephesus that he met there. But Paul hasn't been there. He's writing to these churches. He hasn't even seen them face to face. And yet his heart goes out to them. He's struggling for them. He's never even met them or seen them. Whenever I read this this week, it made me think of a man who we named our, one of our kids named after, William, William Carey. I have a son named Carey. William Carey, he was born in 1761 in the, in the, middle, in the Midlands of, of England. And William Carey, he grew up, his father was like a schoolmaster, so he had access to all these books. And William grew to just love knowledge. Man, he loved plants, he loved God's creation, he loved languages. He would eventually become not only a scholar, he would be a botanist, he would, be a, he would become a, a linguist, he would translate the Bible. I mean, he was an amazing man who loved knowledge. But not only did God give him a love for knowledge, he had the right balance. You see, God gave him a love for people as well. William Carey, even before he had been more than 10 miles from his home, never been more than 10 miles from his house, the Lord laid on his heart who he would call the heathen which are people who had never heard the gospel before. Back in that day, we might recall them the unreached today. His heart was for the heathen. Never been more than 10 miles from his house, but man, he longed for those who were oceans away who had never heard the gospel of Christ. But his job was to be a cobbler. His parents said, we think you need to go to trade school and you need to learn to be a cobbler. So what did he do? He went to trade school. And he started working on shoes in the shoe shop, being a cobbler. And while he was working, since he couldn't go, he had a map hanging up on the wall that had marked all the heathen nations. So he would pray. I mean, he would pray fervently. I imagine his prayer sounded a lot like Paul's. He agonized for them. He struggled for them. He longed for them to know the Lord. And he prayed for someone to go until he could one day go. His sister, man, I hope this can be said about us. It can about me, maybe one day. His sister said that she never remembered hearing William pray without also praying for those who had never heard the gospel. William Carey wasn't much to look at. If you, if you were to meet him today, he'd walk in, he'd be a short guy, he'd be bald because of sickness. He didn't, his hair came out, he, he wore a wig. He, uh, he, said, he said he dressed like a peasant. Um, he, had, he had horrible manners. 
His, his hands were always brown from, the, from leather shoes when he would work on shoes. But whenever he spoke, man, people listened. And they were moved. Whenever he prayed, God worked. Because he had a heart and a love for those he had never met. He spent all of his time praying until he could go. He would write pamphlets. He would work so he could give out information, encouraging people to go until one day he could. And he finally did. One day he was able to go and he went to India. And we, William Carey, if you were to Google him today or read a book, likely the subtitle is going to say Father of Modern Missions. But before he could go, God had placed a, a love in his heart for those he had never met. Guys, who loves like this? Who, who would write? You might say, okay, it's in the Bible. It's Paul. William Carey, a man, just would write his love and his care for someone he had never met. Do we, do we feel like this? Why would we feel like this? We feel like this if we have the love of God, if we've experienced the love of God. We feel like this if we have the love of Christ in us. Why? Because Christ loved like this. So a lot of us here this morning, we may not feel this way, me included always, Paul's been, been speaking to our minds in chapter 1. He's turned to our heart, and he's saying, I want you together to feel this love for one another. And guys, if you don't feel that, I encourage you right now to ask God to help you feel it. <laughs> if you want to feel it, ask him to make you want to feel it. And ask and ask until he gives it to you. Guys, man, the day that the Lord starts to move inside of us and become so real to us, is the day that we finally stop loving ourselves less and we start loving Christ more. And what an incredible relief that is. Whenever our prayers don't start with me and I, but instead we start loving other people and praying for other people and longing for other people more than ourselves, that's when we're dying to ourselves, we're starting to live to Christ. And man, that's a relief. Because guys, you may know what, you may know this, but it's exhausting going through life, always wondering how something's gonna help me or hinder me. It's very miserable to go through life that way. It's incredible when you can finally just give up and you can trust what the Lord's plans are and just learn to be okay with it. Throughout the book of Colossians, you'll read many times, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. We're no longer living for ourselves. We no longer have the angle of what we're going to get out of it or how this is going to ruin our life or make our day horrible. No, we're just in Christ. We're along for the ride, trusting him. Guys, this is supernatural living. It's natural to worry about ourselves and care about ourselves more. It's supernatural to love others. But that's what happens to us when we're in Christ. You guys, most of you are probably on the city. If you're not familiar with the city, there's a, um, it's like an online platform we use here at the church, almost like a, like a Facebook type thing. We can post prayer requests. Uh, if you're part of the church, you can post prayer requests. You can, you can put events on there. You can uh, post like needs and stuff like that. Well, this probably like a week and a half ago, Joe Hunziker uh, Posted from Italy. If you don't know, Joe is a supportive missionary uh, of ours who's actually Italian. He lives in Italy. Joe was just here for nine months. He went back home about a month ago with his family. And they're at the camp over in Italy, and they were having an English summer camp. And Joe was uh, posting about this English summer camp. And he posted that they had 150 adults there and that everyone listened to the teaching from the Bible that he gave, which is an incredible blessing. And not only did they listen to the teaching, at the end, they had Bibles laid out for everyone to take who wanted one. 140 Bibles were taken from 150 people who were there. Almost everyone took a Bible. And guys, what happened whenever Joe posted that? I don't know if you get the alerts on your phone or if you, you just get the Daily Digest. Whenever Joe posted this, man, our church started erupting in joy. 
It was crazy to see everybody start chiming in. I don't know if you saw this. Man, praise the Lord. We're so glad we're praying for you guys. There was such joy felt for these people over in Italy who we'll never see on this side of eternity. Maybe we will then if they come to know the Lord. Man, these people took a copy of the scripture. And then you have people in the United States, in North Carolina, Harnett County, who are just so excited and praising the Lord because of this. Why? It's because in Christ we have a heart and we have a love for people whom we've never even met before crazy. But it's what Christ does for those who are in him. So if you don't feel this love, ask God to give you this love. Ask God to give you a heart like William Carey's. Tell him, I want a heart like Paul's. I want a heart like Jesus Christ. So today in our text, we've already, we've already noticed how well, Paul, he models for us how to have a heart for others. He's modeled this for us so that we're going to cover three points. We're going to see in verses two and three so that together we are encouraged in Christ. And then verses four and five, so we can be confident in Christ. And verses six and seven, so we can continue walking in Christ. But my slides may not have fit up there. You'll see all of them later. If not, there's three points. We'll talk about them more. You'll get it. So... Point one, together we are encouraged in Christ. What is Paul's hope for those he is struggling for? Why, why does he want us to be encouraged in Christ? Why does Paul have this heart for those whom he's never met? Verses two and three, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Guys, whenever you read this, whenever I first read this, it's like, whoa, I kind of just stared at it for a day, no lie. It's, it's, lot, it's a lot, it's packed. And I don't want you to read this and to get bogged down and just say, you know, I'm going to check out for a minute and check email. Don't do that. If you're on your Bible app, that's cool, but don't check email. Um, I want you to hang with me for a minute. And I want you to hear what Paul is telling us here. Paul, we read this verse just a few minutes ago. And then last week, Pastor Brad taught about it. Chapter 1, verse 28, Paul's aim here is that everyone's presented mature in Christ. And for us to be presented mature in Christ, Paul continues on into chapter 2. He says, you need to be walking in Christ. Mature people in Christ walk in Christ. And to walk in Christ, well, you need to be confident in Christ. <laughs> and to be confident in Christ, well, you need to be encouraged in Christ. Think, think of a, even a baby starting to walk. They need to be encouraged. They can be confident so they can walk. Paul's saying, I want you to continue Walking, So I want you to be confident and I want you to be encouraged. Guys, we have to learn to be, be more confident in God than we are ourselves. And that's hard. That, that is ongoing. That's not something you just check off and you're done. This is a life going thing that we have to learn to be more confident in Christ than we are ourselves. We, we honestly must come a point, uh, to a point in life where we can say, Lord, we have to lose all confidence in ourselves. We have to say, Lord, I have no hope. I want to screw this thing up. I shouldn't say it. I want to mess this thing up. If, if, I mean, I'm going to crash this life if you don't walk it for me. I'm so messed up and I'm so depraved. We have to come to a place in our life where we say, God, I give up. I need you to do it for me. And you know what? He doesn't leave you hanging. Jesus comes up and he says, okay, I'll walk it for you. You just hang, hang on. But he doesn't even say you hang on. He says, I'm just going to hang on to you. You just come into me and you rest and I'm going to take care of it for you. We have to learn to have more confidence in Jesus, have more confidence in him than we have confidence in ourselves. So how does this encourage us though? How can we be encouraged 
to have confidence in Christ. Verse 2 tells us, by being knit together with love. See, remember chapter 1, you must know the truth. Paul's been telling us. Now he's saying, I want you to experience the truth. How do you experience Christ? How do you become encouraged in Christ? It's by being knit together with love in the church. Guys, when challenges arise, a lot of you may be like me. I just want to back up and figure it out. Leave me alone. I'm not an out loud processor. Um, I'm not that way. Brad's more that way. He talks things out. Um, my, my wife is more that way. She wants to talk things out. I just get mad. I don't, I don't want to talk things out. I want to sit down and think about it and figure it out. That's okay with some things. But when it comes to the Christian life, we can't just solo back up, sit in the corner, and try to figure out life and know Christ more. No. Guys, that's our challenge. But Christ says no more just being alone in the Christian life. We must experience him together. If you're going to be mature in Christ, then you must be knit together in love with one another. You have to be together. That's why his heart is for those. Even though he's not with them, he's with them in spirit. It's not about being alone. To know Christ, you have to be with the church. Guys, we can have full assurance of understanding the knowledge of God, which is Christ. Okay? Once again, this is big. And whenever we hear this, it doesn't even move me, honestly, like it should. I mean, to hear, guys, you can have the full assurance of the knowledge of Christ. We should be like, yeah. But if I were to say, here's a winning lotto ticket, you'd be like, yeah. Like, we get so excited. Honestly, whenever we hear things like this, I don't think it moves us like it should. It doesn't move me like it should. Because right now I'd be more excited to, to have the promotion at work maybe. Or for, maybe it would be the, uh, the new car. Or I don't know what it would be. There are things that we would be more excited about than to hear that we can have the knowledge of Christ. And maybe the reason that is is because, well, there are some other things we'd rather have than the full assurance of the knowledge of Christ. Maybe we're not so sure we actually want him. Guys, to have the knowledge of the understanding of Christ, you got to be all in. If you want what Christ has to give you, then you have to jump in all the way into Jesus. Both feet, no looking back. There's no test driving Jesus. There's no, there's no sampling Jesus. There's, you have to be all in to Jesus. No longer on a solo mission. You have to hit the eject button on your fighter jet of life. You have to realize I'm crashing. I'm headed down. I'm on a solo mission headed straight to hell. It's lonely. I'm going to die. You have to give up, press the eject button, and trust that God's going to catch you because you have no hope if he doesn't. You have to be all in to Jesus to have what it is he is offering for us here, the full assurance of the knowledge of God. But for some of us, maybe you hear this and it doesn't don't want it as much because you want other things more. And the problem is we don't realize, we're not convinced yet that we need to know Jesus. Maybe you've heard about him. Maybe you believe he is who he says he is. You believe he's helped a lot of people. But honestly, you've been all right so far without him. Could it be that you know of Christ, but you are not in Christ? Maybe you, maybe you know the truth, but you you know the truth, but you haven't yet experienced the truth. You don't believe the truth. You're on a solo mission fighting for yourself. 
But guys, whenever you say yes to Christ, the solo days are over. (laughs) Sorry, this thing keeps messing up. No longer are you on your own, just you and God. No, to experience Christ is together, being knit together in love, knowing the riches of Christ. So how do you know him more? By experiencing him more. And how do you experience Christ being knit together in love? So I imagine, though, some of you guys, whenever I talk about being knit together in love with the church, that's how you experience Christ even more. I know that might make some, norm, some people nervous. Maybe, uh, maybe you've been hurt by the church and you're not so sure. <laughs> if you want to get that close, uh, maybe. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. And if that's the case, though, I know some are like that. I'm sorry. I want you to know I'm sorry if you have been hurt by the church. But I also want you to know, and I think you'd believe this if you're truly in Christ, that being knit together in love, there's no walking away, though, from God. There's no walking away from the church because you're rooted in him. You're knitted together in him. It bonds you. You can't walk away. So how do you know the love of Christ more? You experience it. And once you do that, you can love the unlovable. You can forgive the unforgivable. You can even learn to suffer well and have purpose in your suffering. And guys, whenever you're desperate enough to believe that, that God can love me, he can forgive me, and he can give me purpose in this life, even in suffering, then that's the moment that eternity starts becoming real to you. So real is this moment. It changes your perspective. Honestly, it changes your life. Why? Because you're starting to receive the wisdom and the knowledge that only comes in knowing Christ. So point one is together we're encouraged in Christ. Why? Point two is so that we can be confident in Christ. Verses four and five. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. Guys, this is the first time in Colossians. If you've read through Colossians, if you're working through it this week, even or this month, this is the first time you would have read that there's actually like an issue. There's a problem. So far, he's just been pumping us full of the goodness of Christ, his, his love for the people. And now we start to see there is something he is going to address as well. There's some plausible arguments. There's some convincing arguments that have come up against Christ. But Paul has waited all the way until the beginning of chapter two to even mention this. Why is this? Because this is Paul's defense plan, is to know the real Christ so then you can spot the fake Christ. He wants us to know in our heart, to know in our mind who the real Savior is. So whenever people start bringing up arguments for false saviors against the real Savior, you know what the truth really is. That's, how you, that's the best way to combat a lie is to know the truth really well. If I were to take some blindfolds and put them around some of you guys in here and hand you a Coke or a Pepsi... Some of you would understand, you would know which one is a Coke, which one is a Pepsi, right? Some of you would not. Most of you probably would because you've grown up drinking one or the other. You have experienced Coke or Pepsi. We know Coke is the best, right? <laughs> you, you know this. Pepsi's too sweet. You're like, oh, it's too sweet. No, you need, need the Coke. You know, it makes me burn. And uh, that's no ice all the way. I, I'll even drink it warm, honestly. Make it burn. It's like, just anyway. Um, you, you know this, though. You can, you can discern the difference between the, the real and the fake. Maybe it's like, maybe we should go Coke and Sam's Choice Coke. I don't know. My mom always bought the generic growing up and said it's all the same. We know it's not the same, right? And now I'm a grown-up. I can buy the real, the real stuff um, on my own. Man, 
The best way to know the real versus the fake is to know the truth really well. You've heard it said about bank tellers, I'm sure, too. They, I mean, they're familiar with fake dollar bills, I'm sure, but they don't, they don't study them as much as you would think. They just spend so much time with the real thing. They know what it feels like. They know what it's like. The best way to know the real Christ and to be able to stand to these plausible arguments, convincing arguments, is to know the real Christ. That's how you can tell. So Paul is saying here, guys, what do we do about these convincing arguments that are coming up? Well, you need to know the real Christ. And to know him, you also need to experience him, which means you need to stick together. All right, Paul's idea of the Christian life, if you are start not understanding, you're probably starting to see. Paul's idea of the Christian life is to be into, in a covenant community. It's to be together, encouraging one another, assuring one another, helping one another be confident in the real true Christ. This is good order. This is Paul's prescription for being firm in your faith. So together we're encouraged in Christ so that we can be confident in Christ. And then point three, so we can continue walking in Christ. Verses six and seven. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Man, we, uh, most of you guys know we went to Savannah, the youth group did, um, I'm youth director here. I didn't say that when I began. When I began, so I don't teach up here every week. I teach back there every week um, in the the rest of the school year. But we took our high school students to Savannah, and after we got back from Savannah, man, I miss my family so much. Um, April and I did something we usually don't typically do. It was very awesome. All of our kids went to bed. I have five of them, so it's it's crazy. Um, but we finally get them in bed. They keep coming out. And they need water. Need to go to the bathroom. Need this. Need to, you know. Finally, just stay in your rooms. Um, I lose it. I lose it. I'll just be honest. Um, finally, they, they all go to bed, and we're not, we're not like, conked out exhausted. And we have a sectional couch and a regular couch, so it makes, like, a three-sided square, if there is such a thing, in our, in our um, living room. And April and I decide to sit together. Instead of just, you know, I'll, I'll go to sleep on this couch, you go to sleep on that couch. Um, we, we actually sat together. I put my arm around her, and we started talking. The lamps were off. All that was on was the TV. We're watching the Braves. I love the Braves. We, we watched, watched the Braves. Um, they, they won that night. I don't know who they were playing. You probably don't care. But um, I had my arm around April, and we just start talking. I missed her so much. And we started talking about when we met. We haven't talked about that in years. I mean, we, we met, uh, I guess we've married 12 years now. Um, we, we met, we met you know, 12 years ago. We, we didn't date long, so... Um, got married, and just started remembering how we even hooked up. There were these two grown men who tried to hook us up, and what they did is they went to April, and they asked if she liked me. They asked if she would say yes to a date and all this stuff, and they came and told me everything, and they wouldn't tell her anything. So she didn't know they were feeding me all this information, and so I knew she was going to say yes. I would have never asked if I didn't know already. Um, I asked her on a date right out in front of the gym at camp. Anyway, we remembered all this stuff. We remembered how I met her and our first date. We ended up in three states and had an NHRA drag race. I'm from Alabama. It was crazy. Um, we remembered some other dates. We remembered getting married. And man, sitting there that night with my arm around April, dark in the living room, watching the Braves, remembering together. I just, man, I just stirred inside of me this love for her. That, I didn't even know I could love her more. I mean, I love her so much. And I found just remembering those things, 
how she looked, just different experiences together. Man, there was a love that grew deeper inside of me. And I wasn't going anywhere, but I know that she is mine. I am hers. And I find myself asking, Lord, if 12 years has been this good, please give me 50 more. I think we'll be in our 80s. Give me more. Guys, you see, when you marry someone, when I married April, I didn't get to just pick and choose. When you, when you marry a wife, it's not like putting together a Mr. Potato Head. Some of us look like Mr. Potato Heads, but it's not saying I'll take their hair, I want to leave their eyes, and I'll take these lips and those feet. And you, don't, you don't put it together. Whenever you marry your wife, you, you have to take all of them, who they are. That's kind of the deal, okay? If you were to tell your wife, well, I love how you wake up so happy, but I don't like your stinky breath. If I'll take the... That doesn't, that doesn't work that way. To accept your spouse, to receive your spouse, you have to accept her or him on their terms, who they are. Guys, when it comes to accepting Jesus, when it comes to receiving Jesus, some, a lot of people don't have a problem receiving that Jesus was real. Yeah, he walked on earth, the historical Jesus, but they don't want to admit that he's the Messiah. There's, there's some who may even say, yeah, I believe that Jesus existed, and I believe he's the Son of God, but they haven't received Jesus as Lord. And guys, that's where things start to get tense. Because you see, if you receive Jesus as Lord, right here, Christ Jesus the Lord, if you receive him as Lord, then that changes everything. Because then you're saying, you know what? I'm no longer an authority. Jesus is an authority. You're saying, I'm not calling the shots anymore. You're calling the shots. That's when you say, I don't decide anymore what's fair and what's not fair. God, you decide what's fair and what's not fair. To receive Christ Jesus the Lord, the whole Christ, all of him, you have to accept him as Lord as well. It's good for us to look back and to remember how we received Christ. I want you to think for a moment and remember receiving Christ. Do you remember the excitement? For some of you, it's crazy excitement. Do you remember the joy? Do you remember the joy in submitting? Whatever you want, Lord. Do you remember, do you remember the contentment you had? Do you remember the commitment you gave to Christ? Do you remember your baptism? Whenever you stood before a watching world and professed that I have new life in Christ, you guys can hold me accountable to that now. Do you remember the excitement in all of Christ, how you accepted him? Guys, whenever you come to receive Christ, it's not just there it was, we'll see you in eternity. No, the gifts begin pouring in. Guys, I honestly can't wait for heaven, but we don't have to wait until heaven to start receiving from the Lord. He starts giving to us immediately. When we are in Christ, we start receiving Christ. We can know him more and more. Whenever I, I, ma I married April, I knew her. I can't unknow what I knew about her, but man, little did I know how much I would learn about her, and I would love her even more and more and more. And 12 years have passed. I can't wait if there's 50 more. How much more am I going to love her and know her? Paul says, as you were rooted, so be built up. You know the Lord, continue knowing him more and more and more. Guys, Paul here, he's saying, don't be complacent. Who wants to be in a complacent relationship? Okay, we get married. I know you, you know me. That's not how it is with the Lord either. No, you, together, you continue knowing each other more and more and more. Paul's saying, I want you to remember receiving Christ. 
That way, when convincing arguments, no, you can be assured. So you can continue being mature. So that you can confidently walk in Him. This is walking in Christ. We walk together. We encourage one another. We assure one another. Reminding one another. Paul's heart is for the church to be encouraged to confidently walk in Him. Guys, Paul, Colossians chapter 1, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, he's telling the Colossians, I want you to be encouraged in Christ so you can confidently continue walking in Him. That's for us too. So where do we go from here? I have a few questions. Do you have a heart for others? I asked this earlier. Whenever we read Paul's heart here, that comes from him being in Christ, do we share in that heart? If not, do you want it? If so, I encourage you to again, ask God to give it to you and don't stop asking until he gives it to you. Guys, if you don't want this heart of God, if you don't think other people deserve it, if you don't want it, then I'm not so sure if you've experienced the love of God yourself. And out of my love for you, if that's you, then I am asking God that he will move in your life today, right now, that he will move in such a way that you come to a place where you know your need of God. That you come to a place to where you know that you're headed straight to hell based on your own plans and that your only hope is to hit the eject button and you're just going to trust that God's going to catch you because he's going to have to. And you know what? He will. It's the only way to live. How about are you encouraging others in Christ? Are you participating in the body of Christ? I know you are here this morning, obviously, but are you participating in the body of Christ? Guys, participating in the body of Christ, being involved, encouraging one another, y'all, that takes work, but it brings incredible joy. And I'll be honest with you, not only does it bring joy, but it also brings pain. You can at times, because you know what? We're not perfect, but we're redeemed. And redeemed people can hurt feelings. But you know what? As being part of the body of Christ, you're knit together in love, and you know, even though I've been hurt, there's no chance I'm walking away from God, or I'm not walking away from others, from the church. It's not an option. Guys, when you know Jesus is sovereign over your feelings. And I'm so grateful that he lets us in some way share in some suffering. And what, what kind of crazy talk is that? Share in suffering? That is what being in Christ does. Because you know, by sharing in his sufferings, I get to know a little bit more of what Christ has given. And not only do we get to share in that, we get to share forgiveness. Not only has God given us forgiveness, you know what? We as well get to give forgiveness. I am grateful that I get to share in that as well. I get to give forgiveness. Guys, people don't talk that way. The world doesn't talk that way. But if you're in Christ... You become crazy thankful, <laughs> even for suffering, even for being able to give forgiveness. So do you have a heart for others? Are you encouraging others? And lastly, are you walking in him? Are you confidently walking in Christ? Maybe some of you guys, you are, but you need to just set aside some time today. You need to put up the phone. You need to go for a walk. You need to just remember receiving Christ. You need to remember what you gave him what you said to him, what you committed to him, and you need to remember so that you can continue on.
Maybe though some of you have never received the real Christ. You see, maybe you didn't accept him on his terms. Maybe you, well, you know he's real, you believe who he said he is, but you haven't made him Lord of your life. You haven't submitted to him completely. You're still on your own plans. You haven't yet hit the eject button and submitted to God's plans. If that's you, I want to invite you today to begin new life in Christ. Speak to God. I guarantee he is listening to you. And then I want you to tell somebody. This is you. If you want to start walking in Christ today, then talk to God and then talk to somebody and tell them. It could be someone you came with, someone in your family. It could be we're going to have a couple people in the welcome room after a church where the coffee is. Go talk to someone. We'd love to hear. Love to pray for you. Love to be with you. So guys, I want you to know God gives us a love for one another so that together we can be encouraged confidently continue walking in Christ all the way to maturity and all the way to eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your work in us. Father, we'd have no hope if you didn't do it for us. And that's what you've done. Through Jesus, you have come and you have lived the life we couldn't live. And you died the death we deserve. So now we accept it. The Lord know it's been done for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that it will continue working in us. The power of the Holy Spirit, um, even as we're away from this place, continue to shape us and mold us, to make us more like you and to rest in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.